0: Thank you for joining us today on the LTC-DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. This is Episode 2 of the Competency-Based Staffing Podcast Series. I'm your host today, Jessica Kunkler, and I'm here with AADNS's Curriculum Development Specialist, Amy Stewart. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, Jessica. I'm thrilled to be here today. Amy, building off of our last podcast on staff competency, what is the best way for our nurse leaders to find competency-based educational opportunities within
1: their facility? Jessica, there's a a bunch of ways that people can identify competency-based educational opportunities that are specific to their own facility. But the best way is to start with your facility assessment. In our first staff competency podcast, I talked about the competency regulation, which indicates that we must use the facility assessment to identify competency training needs. The facility assessment helps helps nurse leaders identify the staff competencies that are necessary to provide the level and the types of care needed for the resident population, considering the types of diseases, conditions, physical and cognitive disabilities, overall acuity, and other pertinent facts that are present within your population. This will require analyzing the information on the facility assessment and looking for opportunities based upon the data. So for example, a facility assessment might indicate that a particular unit has a high rate of urinary tract infections. That unit will benefit from incontinence care competency education after it was determined that the bulk of infections were were in incontinent residents. It may also indicate the need for toileting programs, other opportunities for competent—that's another area for um, competency-based training. And let's say there's two other units that have a high rate of infections overall. Now you're looking at the facility data, and it's showing that there's a possibility that the whole facility might benefit from it from uh, competency-based education on infection control, and that would include hand hygiene. The facility assessment can help you pinpoint unit-specific needs as well as entire facility competency training needs, Keep in, keeping in mind that the facilities must determine the amount and types of training based on the facility assessment. So this will vary from facility to facility depending on the results. That's so exciting that the facility-wide assessment can be used as a
0: tool to target training to a facility's needs. I imagine that this must be really helpful when engaging staff in trainings. Other than the facility-wide assessment, what other ways um, can nurse leaders identify competency-based educational needs?
1: Well, there's a bunch of ways, as I mentioned. Another place to look for competency educational opportunities is by taking a look at your CASPER reports, your 0003D and 0004D, otherwise known as your past survey deficiency history. And why do you want to look at that? Well, when the surveyors come in, they're going to be looking at your past survey trends as well. So looking at these deficiency trends over time in your facility, and then considering offering competency education on these areas, will help you to get in line with the regulations so that when the surveyors come in again, you're not getting uh, cited on these areas again. So let's say, for example, that the facility was cited for issues related to feeding residents during the last two out of three surveys. This would definitely be an area where I would hone in and offer some uh, competency education to ensure proper resident care is being delivered to those residents who are dependent for feeding. Another opportunity to determine competency needs is through analysis of performance reviews of staff. So ask yourself, when you're doing performance reviews, are there any common themes? And if there are common themes throughout the facility, uh, think about what competency training around those areas that might be helpful. Maybe staff are struggling, for example, with documentation. And if so, offer competency-based education on documentation for frontline staff. Having a sound system for documentation is so important these days. It impacts MDS coding, which can impact survey, survey results, as well as quality measures. It can even impact the public's perception of the facility, since many of our quality measures are publicly reported on the Nursing Home Compare website. And one of my other favorite ways to look for competency-based educational opportunities is looking at outcomes, resident outcomes. Are you getting the intended outcomes? So you can use your QAPI data to help you identify areas where maybe your outcomes aren't what you intended. So you're bringing it to QAPI, then take it a, a step further and think about how staff might benefit from competency-based education. So maybe you have, let's say, a high number of skin tears in the facility, and you're monitoring this uh, in the QAA meetings, but also offer competency training on proper skin care in older adults to help reduce the risk and monitor for skin, skin tear prevalence before and after um, the training to see that this uh, competency-based training actually had an effect on your outcomes. So that's one of my favorite: is looking at your intended uh, or unintended uh, outcomes and then centering around those areas, some competency-based training for staff. Thanks, Amy. It sounds
0: like the more specific the training is targeted to your facility's needs, the better, and you've outlined some great ways to identify training needs. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. The implementation deadline for the patient-driven payment model or PDPM, is less than a year away. Find out what you need to know now in preparation for PDPM in the 60-minute recorded webinar, PDPM is Coming, How the DNS Can Lead the Change. To learn more, visit www.aadns-ltc.org backslash events backslash webinars. Welcome back, listeners. Let's continue our discussion with Amy Stewart on staff competency. Amy, are there any other competency educational offerings that facility leaders are required to conduct? That's a great
1: question, Jessica. The State Operations Manual under F-726 mentions that competency and skills and techniques necessary to care for residents' needs includes but is not limited to competencies in the following areas and those areas include resident rights person-centered care communication basic nursing me- skills basic nursing skills excuse me basic restorative services skin and wound care medication management pain management infection control cultural competency and identification of changes in condition
0: wow that's really a long list
1: it sure is. And speaking of resident changing condition, I'd also like to point out that the State Operations Manual actually goes on to talk about the staff's ability to identify a change in a resident's condition and know what to do about it. It's a key competency for nurses and nurse aides. So we want to make sure that all of our staff, all of our frontline staff are trained in identification and notification You know of what to do next when a resident has a changing condition. So it's important that competency education on identification of change and knowing how to respond is part of each and every facility's educational calendar. And the um, just to give our listeners a, a free little tool that they could use, the AHRQ has a free resource for changes in condition that you can use to educate staff. And that can be located at www.ahrq.org. gov forward slash professionals forward slash systems forward slash long-term care forward slash index dot html or otherwise you can google ahrq resources for changes in condition thank you
0: thank you so much amy this conversation is so helpful to our members be sure to tune into episode three for more information on staff competencies in the meantime you can always visit our website www.aadns-ltc.org for more information.